This week on Retronauts, what if Jose were the host? Everybody, unfortunately, that fact it will not happen nope. on this week's fact. Retronauts. It's not a fact if it's not happening. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that statement will not happen. That alternate reality. That yes. Erased. By the way, this is Retronauts Live, episode 48. I'm your host, Bob Mackey. Today's topic is what if, to go along with our week of what if related uh, articles that you should be reading or have read and are, I hope, enjoying, right? I, I, I stand behind the them. Hell out of them. I stand behind them, and I hope you do too. My name is Bob Mackey, which I've already said, associate editor of com. Let's introduce the rest of the crew for today's episode. Who's to my right? Uh, oh, that's me. Yes. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Joel Hodson, creator what? of Mystery Science Theater. I want to end that uh, analogy all, now. I hope you'll all enjoy the show while I fall asleep. Who you said would. that about you? What? Someone said that? Someone on Twitter. No, I don't know. People, people always talk about how I have a sleepy voice, and Joel Hodgson has the sleepiest voice. So that's Bob Servo. I'm Joel Hodgson. And who else do we have for reals? The king of video games. Okay. No, not really. Self-proclaimed king of video games. No, uh, Eric Sapp with the uh, community for IGN. If the king of video games is anything like the king of cartoons, you'd be wheeling in a really old public domain video game that no one would want to play. No, it's the king Absolutely. of all cosmos. He's like walking around smashing up video games while wearing entirely too tight pants. I was going to say with a giant bulge. Who else do we have? <laughs> we have oh, wait, uh, we the know this. alternate reality host of Retronauts yeah. in, a, in another life. Not, in uh, the, not at all. In the reality where I was assassinated from my views on... I um, might have done it myself. Oh, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> For my views on uh, what, what what do we disagree about, Jose? Misogyny. Uh, oh no, not misogyny. I totally agree with Bob on that. What well, do we? No, disagree lots of people about? disagree with Bob on misogyny. We disagree about uh, Halo. Halo. We disagree about Halo, and we disagree about Jet Set uh, Jet Ryan Radio or Jet Set Radio, Radio Future. Future, which is a piece of shit. Yes. Thank you. Whoa. Uh, so today we're going to explore a number of what if scenarios that I have chosen. But for now, let's go into some retro news because hey, things have actually happened recently. releases that we missed over the past few weeks the most recent one is uh 3ds eShop release kirby's block ball for the game boy for 2.99 it's basically breakout with kirby and we uh, talked did about that actually it come out? it did i just read on uh, press.nintendo.com sweet good jewelry. and it is like breakout with kirby and we listened to actually we talked about kirby in episode 29 so if you want to hear about kirby block ball go listen to that and the rest of the kirby games i like that episode a lot actually uh, PSN releases this month. We have Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare. That was the first reboot of Alone in the Dark, uh, and the first failed reboot, along with, um, what was the second one just called, uh, Alone in the Dark, 2008? So. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that but, one, uh, didn't do too hot either. There was the, the New Nightmare was the Resident Evil ripoff, like, 
There was the crazy working designs crossover of Lundra in the Dark. Uh-huh. I, liked, I liked that one. Yeah, uh, I yeah, believe yeah, yeah. that the second reboot was called Mark McDonald in the Dark. Yeah, Mark McDonald. <laughs> uh, that's true. He the did cover, not get any residuals from that. Cover was, star of, yeah. Alone that was in very the dark. flagrant. Uh, so we also have Mist, which I was confused. Like, what version of Mist is it? Apparently, it's a PC, a port of the PC original uh, for PSN. It's not real Mist. It's not real Mist. I don't know how you could play actual Mist Mist like today. Mist. You know, like. I'm pretty sure you can make those graphics yourself using a paint, MS Paint. Well, or we're going yeah. to find out soon with the release of Mist 4 3DS. Wherein, Is that really happening? Wherein the actual game graphics are on the bottom screen. Why did so they do that? So that you can tap your way through the... Okay. It almost makes sense, but the top screen is much bigger and looks better. And has 3D. Right. So, and, yeah, I mean... So what's going to be on the top screen? Does anybody know? Uh, Atris just going like... Mm-hmm. He's just <laughs> there looking bored the entire game until you finally get to him. I assume there was some Nintendo mandate that required all the action to be on the top screen, just because, you know, you have to show up the features of our system, etc., but maybe maybe not. I don't think so. Okay. Not Isn't doesn't the um I mean it just makes sense from a game logistics standpoint. That Even is true. on DS you never really saw a lot of action on the bottom screen unless it was specifically a touch screen game. Usually uh, a game would would have like non-touch specific action on the screen above. Yeah. Which made sense because your fingers were active on the buttons and there was a lot kind of going on down there. Well, if it's or anything... in some cases you could swap screens. Right. Or you had the world, end with, the world end with you, which gave you both, right? I mean, the yeah, top screen button idea. stuff and the <laughs> bottom screen t- uh, tapping stuff. But if it's anything like the DS version of Mist, it's probably not going to be that great. You think? Uh, DS version was pretty bad, correct? I mean, I never played I mean, Mist. I don't really, feel the need to play it now. If it's not 1993, Mist is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, if you if you what, missed what out on Mist, it? it's almost yeah. Oh yeah, so it's we're like 19 past. years bad. Wait, how many people in the room didn't play Mist? I never played Mist. Me either. Okay, Me three out of four. Yeah. I, have, I played the hell out of that game, and I enjoyed it. In 1993. I believe there's a Retronauts about Mist, correct? I believe so. Okay, I don't know the number on that one. Look it up, kids. It's the only time anyone in the gaming press has come out in favor of Mist. I was mm. really proud of myself for that. So never again. Yeah. Mm. Jeremy's okay. still wearing his award for that. Mm-hmm. The purple heart of Mist Teller. It was no, it's actually uh, the purple page. I put the blue page and the red page together, and I would know what that meant if I played Mist. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure people out I'm there sure are like, yeah, yeah red page, who, who woo, have, uh, blue page, so like honking their car horns. So yeah, sick of your awesome. ignorance, Bob Mackie. Sorry, we're all talking over each other. Yeah. Uh, we also have Legend of Dragoon because we wrote about it about how many times? I don't know. Uh, Our last article twice, openly stated uh, we will not write about this again for a while, but I don't think we wrote about it that well, much. We're talking about it now. God damn yeah. it! <laughs> I don't think we talked about it on Retronauts, but I think we let one or two cranky voices who. We're like, God, why are you writing about this again? It's not like there's not any real news happening. One, yeah. or, one or two, more Gave about too like much credit 20 or 30. A vocal minority corrupted yeah. us. We will not let it happen again, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, if you want to play that, uh, that's your own decision, and we will not support you in that. But, hey, it's a free country for now. So, please play Legend of Dragoon until, if you want to. Until October, November. Yep. Until uh, Jeremy is making some ominous claims, but I don't know what's going to happen. So, we have one more news item. Uh, t- uh, Tomba. I call it Tumba until Jeremy corrected me. Uh, we'll be coming to Tumba. Tumba is a traditional um, African American working song. Okay, it was, uh, sung by slaves in in cotton fields. I learned it when I was in junior high school. That is weird. Yeah. Well, there you go. That you it's, learned that, not that the song well, exists. It, it's a long story. Okay. But anyway, I I, just, I, I, just, I I grew up in the South. Okay. Yeah. You just learn these things. You understand. <laughs> So, yes, uh, who's excited to play Tomba this summer on PSN? I, I surely am. I feel this game does not get enough um, love. It is sort of like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, but with a caveman. Uh, no. It yes. is kind of like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, 
except it's a pig biting game show of an adventure. It could be both that and Castlevania, but with you a caveman. You bite pigs. You're a pink haired caveman. And you get experience points You're for biting them. You're not just them. a caveman. You are a pink haired caveman. That's true. He's and adorable. And you battle pigs by biting them. And whenever you're given a new quest, and it has overlapping multiple branching quests, like modern RPGs, it was way ahead of its time. <clears throat> when you get a new quest, it shows up above your head like a game show display, like the, uh, the Family Feud or something. That's like, right. Rolls over. That's so awesome. It's been a very long time, and I had so much fun with this game, and it's very bizarre to me how basically Monkey Paw had to like pry it out of Sony's hands, but we love them for that. At least they did. Yeah. The, the, the only sad thing about um, Tomba, aside from the fact that they didn't make more than one sequel, is the fact that the uh, guy behind it went on to make Ultimate Ghost and Goblins. Oh, that's I too still bad. think he's a good person despite that. He oh. still has the ultimate, he named the ultimate um, development team, that'd be Whoopi Camp. Mm-hmm. That's the best name for development team I've ever heard in my life. Have you, you, you remember the the little logo that played at the beginning? It was like, yeah. Yes. A lot of awesome. like. Yeah, I feel like I missed out because when this game came out in 1998, I was over platformers. I'd only go back to play a Mario game, and that was it. It well, is. It is Jose, really. Is it time? I guess what? you uh, you're hoist by your own petard there. Yeah. Can we call I, I this game like an action RPG? It kind of feels like no, it. No, it is. It okay. Is. Yeah. So it's okay. more an action RPG than Symphony of the Night because you are given like these quests based on NPC interactions there yeah. is there is story there is that kind of uh like quest structure to the game it's, it's really great yeah we can't stress out enough people if you've not played tomba you should get it when it comes on psn because i'm sure God. it'll be like six dollars sony needs to hurry the hell up and let me play ps1 listen games on my jeremy Vita. oh i was just about to complain oh. about that but i was wondering <laughs> what you were going to say this game it would look grumble, so, so i want to buy this specifically because it's the kind of game i would enjoy on my commute and there's no way i can play it on my vita this this super you, you can still piece play it on of PSP, technology but yeah. yeah but who wants to carry that thing around like come with that Hell hear with that. Hear yeah, you. I'm over it. I bought the new thing. Let me play the old games on the new thing. It does. It, it just doesn't make flipping sense. Flipping off Sony right uh-huh. now, literally. And there, there's birds. there's no news about a um a possible uh, bringing over the second one. But they said maybe if uh, the first one sells enough, and people really hate the second one. And I don't think it's that bad. It's not. It just it's uh, a little uglier. It? I think people are pretty I vicious think, about it. I think it, it lost something in moving to that that uh, like. Full 3D 2.5. It did, yeah. I agree with that. Let's be cinematic. There was a there was a real charm to the first one, but Mm -hmm. at the at the time it was it was probably the right choice for them because uh, you know the first game didn't sell well and it was one of those like you know kind of sprite based 2D games. Yeah, it was very very out of vogue at the time. So uh, I I understand them bowing to market pressure. It's just it's a natural thing to do. It's business. You gotta you gotta go where the money is. Although it turned out there was no money in Tomba. Period. He well, did not see caveman. I mean, I, I've seen the, pigs the, the, in a game the, show the, of life. The he box did, art <laughs> on this thing did not like do it any favors. I, I'm sure in motion, maybe it looked really good, and I'm probably everyone's looking at me. We're nah, really. I, I love right that now. box art. It's so yeah. colorful. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. it didn't it's really just... look that good as a game, but it was really fun. Yeah. Okay, so I'll take that. I, so I, I will, in case I you're not clear, um, <laughs> you are a pink-haired caveman <laughs> who is biting pigs on the ass. And sure, actually, depends on where you land. Kind of looks like he humps them actually, but he's biting them. He's biting them. Okay, it's clean. It's keeping it clean. And he's uh, looking for his grandfather's lost treasure of some sort. Something like that. And these pigs are wearing pink leotards? And you're Am given overlapping right? quests in the format of a game show. Like, it's why it's do great. I have to keep saying this? Why <laughs> wow. aren't you just buying the game right now? Put a set aside $6 or however much they're going to charge for it. They have the claymation it. cover, too, in, in uh, was that, Japan? They're both uh, good. No, that's, that's European. That's Europe. yeah, yeah, Tombi was the European version. Okay. So, yes, we need to move on from in the Japan, Tomba. Ore Tomba! 
That really? means yeah. go get them, you crazy cave no, it boy. Means, I'm, it means I'm Tomba. Uh, I'm Tomba. Well, I'm glad like, you made that clear. It's like I'm Tiger Wood. Yeah. I'm Tiger Wood. I'm Spartacus. Well, it was that same kind of thing. I prefer the simplest. They ended up crucifying all the fans who claimed to be Tomba. Wow, that's a dark. Kind of that's a dark, dark. Took a dark turn. Eric, how do you feel about Tomba? You have five seconds to tell me your answer. It's amazing. I want to buy it right now. Yeah, thank you, Eric. That was My like half supporting us. That was like half a second. I want to move on to a new segment of this show. I like to call Kickstarter Watch. Wow. What? <laughs> when did this start? Uh, it's starting now. I demand, uh, I demand David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Kickwatch. Anyways, um, Kickstarter is this awesome new uh, service that makes people want to talk to me. It's not it actually seems new. like. Well, it's I mean, for a few years. It's, it's not new hotness. It's it new in the, in the grand. It's the new gold rush. It's like San Francisco <clears throat> was always here. But in 1849, people were like, oh, there's gold in San Francisco? Let's go. <laughs> well, it's new in the grand scheme of humanity. That's how, I, that's how I view it. Yeah, but I mean, so is planet Earth. Hey, we're only talking about Kickstarter. But anyways, Kickstarter is a is a semi-new, does that make you feel better? Yeah. Uh, service that makes it's, people want to talk to me. It's a recent innovation. Um, and it's I newer just, than Facebook. And by making people want to talk to me, I mean a lot of retro game creators or creators of, retro, of games past are making or uh, revisiting their old series uh, mm. through the help of fans. So, Bob, I, I hate to tell you this, but Uh-oh. they don't actually want to talk to you. They want your publicity. They want to, they want they to, want to talk to me. No, they this know. Is, this I know that. Bob, this is like when the pretty Mackie. girl in class started <clears throat> acting friendly to you because she wanted you to help with your her homework. Hey, I didn't yeah. say. You really need that. I didn't say what their <laughs> intentions were, but they want to talk to me to get their game uh, names out there. Bob Mackey will bring they, the tough questions. They yes. choke right. back. They choke back their bile long enough to talk to us. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have to talk to that Bob Mackey kid. Listen, here's what's coming up on Kickstarter. Why? We have Gabriel Knight creator Jane Jensen's Kickstarter. Uh, we almost talked to her, but we had some technical difficulties. It reached its $300,000 goal, and that means that uh, Pinkerton Road, which is her new studio, will be making two games. One is called Mobius, and one will be announced in the future. So congrats to you guys, uh, Jane Jensen and her crew. Uh, we also have, um, for some reason, I didn't think this would make it, but it more than uh, reached its goal. Uh, Al Lowe's Leisure Suit Larry Kickstarter uh, made half a million. and um, why, why wouldn't it? I mean, the, the last Leisure Suit Larry games that he was not involved in were terrible yeah and fans were really really grossed out by how awful they were i could see where there was like this kind of groundswell of people who were like whoa maybe we can have a good leader i guess i just assumed that crowd was much smaller than it ended up being (laughs) i thought they've moved on yeah Yeah. if you ask me oh you mean they met real girls or or, or moe yeah. One. Oh, yeah. No. Sorry, I went there. Uh, Different audiences. So yeah, so congrats, totally? congrats oh, to okay. Al Lowe. Apologies. Congrats to Al Lowe. I interviewed him once. He was a pretty nice guy by all accounts. And uh, they're going to be ma- remaking the first Leisure Suit Larry in a 25th anniversary package. And we have one more Kickstarter that's worth Emphasis mentioning. Emphasis on package. Whoa. Oh. No, you didn't. Okay. No, Tex didn't. Murphy. Who remembers Tex Murphy? I sure do. It was a pretty cool adventure game series I in the 90s. Uh, that's a different guy. <laughs> Wait, that's Tex Avery. Tex Avery. Yeah, yeah, come on, come on. Come on, that's not even the same name. But anyways, um, uh, it's called Project Fedora, and they want to make a new Tex Murphy game. And uh, their goal right now is $450,000, so about halfway there. And it ends on Saturday, June 16th. I'll post a link on the blog post for this episode if you want to contribute. And maybe we'll even talk to somebody from that Kickstarter soon. So all and of do you express favorite. my support. I have a fedora right here yeah. sitting with me at the desk. Just Hear toss that? your money in it, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, this is not for the Kickstarter. This is just for me. <clears throat> all proceeds go to Kids yeah. Like Me and Project Fedora. So all your favorite uh, old school game developers are coming out of the woodwork to rush Kickstarter. Yeah, is maybe uh, yes. Koji Igarashi could uh, kickstart. Somebody like a... get him out of the basement. Wherever I feel him. that... Um, He's in the Moe basement. I feel that as much as this no, would be great for Castlevania or Mega Man, I feel like Japanese culture is very opposed to that sort of charity idea of Kickstarter. 
Wouldn't you agree? Is it? I don't know. I uh, feel like I it is. I don't know enough about Japanese culture. Like having, on money having to... to ask for something instead of, uh, well, yeah. Oh, the asking part. Yeah. But I mean, Japan is very big into the idea of rallying together into the community. I mean, like, that's what manga is. It's mm. like, you, you may not be the best, but if you believe in the power of teamwork, if you've got fighting spirit, you can win. Right. Well, and let's be honest, this is the biggest pre-order system in the world right now. Or it's turning into one, right? Yeah. I mean, you're paying for it now, and you're getting it like a year from now, six months from now, whatever amount of time it is. By the way, can we include that on this podcast when things come out that you paid for like last year? Sure, why not? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Assuming, you know. Uh, for Kickstarter. Oh, watch, yeah, sure. Assuming that's fine. we're still employed yeah. when that happens. Yeah, I mean, because they're going to ship it here, so I'm never going to see it. But mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, so that is going to be uh, ending on June 16th. Like I said, I'll post a blog for that episode. I mean, I'll post a link on the blog post for this episode. Uh, what guys do you, well, like, you said you want Castlevania to have a Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. And any other ideas, Eric? I just want a new 2D Metroid. Yeah. Of some, of, of some sort. I don't think Metroid needs a Kickstarter. Let's get way forward on Probably that. Uh, Jose Axiom, says. Axiom Verge is going to have a Kickstarter, yes. and that game looks very, very Metroid. Yeah, I saw that recently. It looks great. And that dude really loves me for some reason. I guess because I'm like, Metroidvania. Heart. Ah, no, you're I, the you said it on the podcast. How could you? You're the internet's, I'll believe that. You're the internet's face of Metroid. I guess. You're synonymous with Metroid. Mm, it's better than Samus Aran's weepy face. Metroid yeah. and Castlevania, let's Maybe be honest. Yeah. Seriously, so, though, um... I don't know. I can think of a lot of really interesting Kickstarters I'd like to see. Like, I, I would love to see maybe some IREM projects, uh, Dredged <gasps> Up from the Grave. Maybe oh, that's right. a Kickstarter for T- Steambot Chronicles 2. I don't know. Yeah, that's got to exist in some form somewhere. Or like Metal chunks Storm. of it. Hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I, I am more interested in seeing Kickstarter used for creating new ventures and giving people who don't have a lot of experience and may not have studio backing a chance to do something different. And I realize that makes me kind of the odd man out but as nice it is as it is to see um you know classic game developers come to us hat in hand and think oh well you know they can still find a, a way to create the games that they love to make and that their fans love um i don't know like to me that's not as exciting as something like republic which is new it's different it's it's a game of a type that i haven't really quite seen especially not in the form that it's going to take so, um, like, to me, those are those are the more interesting Kickstarter ideas. And they're riskier because you don't have the proven backing behind them. But I'm okay with that. Like, mm. you don't have to make a huge investment in Kickstarter, but you can chip in and help out and help create innovation and spawn new ideas. And I, I think that's awesome. I like it all. Yeah, do I have the Kickstarter for you, sir? Diamond Trust of London, Jason Roar's game. Oh, I've already, money I've, for already, uh, game. I've already contributed that. Yeah, one. I did that too. Yeah, today, finally. But it ends in three days. Uh, but the day this podcast comes up, what is this? It'll probably be the last day. So if you're interested, look it up. Diamond Trust that, of London. That's already hit its... Uh, yeah, they're goal, funded, right? yeah. but if you're still out there and don't hey, know what that is... He's got kids. Come on, he needs money. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though, because, um, I mean, Jason Rohrer, it makes some really cool sort of high-concept, bite-sized games. This is going to be different because it's a packaged game. Yep. Uh, but the only the way the packaged stuff. version of the game will exist, of this DS game will exist, is for people who pre-ordered it through Kickstarter. So and the game is done. You're not waiting a year for this thing to come out. I need you to look have to into wait this. The so so for those of you September. who are into, like, rare, unique... Uh, video game collecting. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of appeal right there, but also just, you know, just the fact that it's Jason Rohr, it's like a social game. It's almost like a board game that uses the DS cartridge as kind of a supplement for the actual meat space. Yeah, game. that is the mm. best description it's, of it. Yeah. It's really, it's a really well, interesting uh, idea. Using I don't, I don't actually, I haven't honestly wiped or wrapped my head around it, 
but it's the kind of thing that I could see people playing at packs and and just like no, cool, dedicating a room. That's to sort it. of like cool what uh, one cart, all you need, one mm-hmm. cart. Everyone else can just have empty DSs. It'll share the information. You're all playing the same game, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's the single cart like multiplayer thing. Sorry, Bob. No, it reminds me of his last. Uh, maybe it's not the last game, but a game that came out a few years ago. Sleep is death. Yep, it was sort of was like a storytelling uh, oh, yeah. kind of D and D ish sort of thing. I that's enjoyed right. that. Yep. So let's move on. To our main right. topic. We're not supposed to talk about new things here. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Screw the new. Which is what if? Now I gathered this group of people into this room. Uh, they don't know what's about to happen, but they do know does it's it related. Whipped cream? It does not. Mm. I could not clear that order with uh, expenses. But <laughs> uh, I, ch- I thought of a different plan. We have a bunch of what if articles on the site this week, and they're all very very interesting. Uh, but there are many of these ideas that did not make the cut, and many of them I dreamed up over the last twenty minutes. And instead of talking about the articles that we did write. I think we should talk about uh, ideas that we um, can just discuss in this room. What if scenarios? Um, so if you're not familiar with the articles, we basically said, what if this happened? We posited um, either created an alternate reality or wrote about what would happen in an alternate reality. So let's do that here. Uh, so my first one is, uh, are you guys ready? Who's ready? I'm, all, I'm being stared at. I'm, I'm really not ready. Okay. No, I'm not ready. Well, Me get either. ready for this. Can we take a, like a 20-minute break? A 20-minute break? Have like a smoke. Do you need to stretch? <laughs> you can just light up in here, Eric. I'm sure there's no sprinklers. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, this is an old building. So, uh, topic one. What if Nintendo decided to not bring Pokemon to the States after the whole seizure debacle? Let's roll. 1997. The world is shocked when they see a Japanese cartoon has crippled millions. Nintendo takes this bad PR to heart and decides we're not bringing Pokemon to the States. What happens to Nintendo following this? We all understand that Pokemon helped keep them afloat. During the leaner GameCube years, correct? Yeah, but it wasn't the only thing keeping them afloat. Right, but I said it helped keep them it afloat. Helped. Yes. Nintendo would still be around. They'd still be fine. The um, the Blue Ocean stuff they seized on for DS and Wii uh, was developed independently of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe some of the things like the Pokepedometer, the Pokewalker, helped kind of push them away from creating pure video game concepts, but I don't think it would have hurt them that adversely. They might have had a few more quarters in the red, maybe earned a little less money, but... They'd be okay. Okay. I think more importantly is that children would have much fonder childhood memories of Digimon. <laughs> oh. <than laughs> oh, Digimon would have swooped it. Was that wait, is that Konami published? Uh, no, that Digimon? Was, um, Who was that? Remind Digimon me that. was Bandai, was it? Yeah, I think it was yeah, Bandai. Okay, yeah. Did you swoop in that and, or and make Monster, the money? Maybe Monster Rancher would have taken off. Whoa. Hmm. Okay. By the way, I know uh, the TV show didn't cripple millions, which is being melodramatic. You were. It didn't really hurt that many people. Uh, Eric, you look like you wanted to chime in. What if Pokemon did not come to the United States? My childhood would have been ruined. Whoa. Eric is a little bit younger than us. Yeah. So you, did you cut your teeth on Pokemon Red, uh, Blue? Red and Blue, and mostly my favorite was uh, Gold and Silver. Absolutely. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, if I was in a different... Like, if I knew about myself in a parallel universe right now, like... It's okay to admit that you liked Yellow best. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You start with the Pikachu, man. And it follows oh. you around. Yeah. And you can talk to it. Just Are like you the show. Yeah, just, just like, like the, the show. show. It was too much like the show. That's why it turned out. Yeah, even out Team so Rocket was called. Wait, it, they was, redesigned was it Jesse Rocket? and James. Yeah, that's yeah. right. They put those enemies in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it wasn't every a battle. Every, every enemy trainer sprite was Meowth. Mm. And he cussed at you. Yes. It sounded like he was from Brooklyn. 
Jose, what do you think about this? What if um, Pokemon did not come to the States? I don't think it would have had a huge impact on me, but I, I do agree with Jeremy that maybe Nintendo would have had a couple of leaner years. I mean, if you think about it, Pokemon as a franchise has earned them a lot of money. Even, even although I, I wonder if even like the, the crappy sort of like rumble or side games bring them as much money as like the mainline RPGs on They on make their a DSs. lot of money off those because those games sell, you know, like anywhere between 150 and 600,000 copies. And they can't cost that much to make. Yeah. Pokemon is all about cheap, cheap, cheap. Iterate on the cheap and... Reuse ideas. Poke- I mean, Pokemon games are made by a pretty small team. Game Freak is not a huge company. No. But those games, you know, they sell like seven or eight million copies. That's that's a really good turnaround. That's that's a huge ROI, if you want to put it in those terms. And those games never go on sale. They're no, still, they don't. Like, 10 years later, no. they're still, you know, full price if you can even so find they, them. Yeah, $35 at least. There's or probably, least like, a DS. dusty copy yeah. of Pokemon Blue in the back of, like, they, a Walmart display they case. Never, they never <laughs> stop selling. And every time a new Pokemon games, uh, game comes out, people who kind of maybe missed a previous one get into the new game, and they're like, I should go back and play the other ones, even though it's exactly the same as the one I'm playing now. So yeah. it is kind of this self-perpetuating money machine. But Nintendo still, you know, they would not have gone away. It's interesting, though, to see how Nintendo turned that into a... Like, it didn't work against Nintendo. Like, this thing came out in, what, 98? And it was fine. Like, alongside with the... Was it the Game Boy Color at the time? Yep. It yeah, was, they came out... It launched around the time as the Game yeah, Boy Yeah, and it was just like, okay, they hit the ground rolling. All those stories had passed. It was like, ah, it'll be fine. And, I mean, look, fast forward to now. Well, I mean, much, they waited a long made, time yeah. to bring the game to the U.S. It launched in Japan. Pokemon Green and... and uh, I think it's red. red, yeah. yeah. Red and green. Launched in uh, Japan in 1995. Mm-hmm. So by the time it came to the U.S., they had this massive licensing, merchandising juggernaut in place. So they were able to hit America huge and hard with cartoons, with manga, with toys, with hollow foil Charizard yeah. trading cards. Yeah. I mean, was... Oh, God, the trading cards. Oh, my God. The kids <laughs> were, were high on those things. I, I was a dealer. God. He's in the room. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you have the Holofoil Charizard. Eric. I actually uh, was on eBay at the time, and I actually got uh, the starter pack from the Gold and Silver Pokemon, the Japanese imported ones before. A lot of people, kids back then, even knew like there was a Gold and Silver. So I was kind of like a stud on the streets. <laughs> like, you've was, never seen this Pokemon before. It was kind of like the elementary school equivalent of Breaking Bad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Back alley deals and all. Mm. All right, what else you got? With less exploding faces. Uh, what if topic two? Uh, what if Gumpoi Yokoi, Gumpei Yokoi, Gumpei sorry, Yokoi, uh, survived his car accident in 1997? Was it? Uh, it was 97 or 98. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? I mean, he had been relegated to a sort of lousy position at Nintendo. Uh, do you think? No, he had left Nintendo. Oh, he had left it. Okay, I thought was that did he get relegated to a shitty position and then left? Or yeah, okay. what happened? Uh, the timeline there was that um, the he you know spearheaded the Virtual Boy and. For whatever reason, it was released and it wasn't good, and you know, uh, it, it was it was it was a troubled pr- a troubled product, and uh, he was kind of given a an effective demotion, even though it wasn't positioned as such. Like he was the one giving demos of the unit at either CES or E3 or uh, Space World somewhere. I remember reading about that. So I mean, it was it was basically like you're not making it any further in this company because you really screwed the pooch. And so he took that opportunity to leave the company and establish his own kind of like, uh, I don't know if it was a company or just working freelance, uh, but he hooked up with Bandai and helped create the Wonderswan hardware. And then uh, shortly after that was all finalized, but before the Wonderswan launched, he was was in a car with someone else and 
uh, it broke down on the highway. Like the, there was a flat tire, and um, he got out to help change the tire, and a car struck him. Oh, that's and okay. if you've ever seen a Japanese highway, it's easy to understand how that would happen because they don't have shoulders, really. Cars are going really fast. The lanes are super narrow. So I'm sure someone just didn't see him and right. hit him, and he died. Do you think uh, we would have felt his impact outside of the Wonderswan after if he had survived? I mean, the Wonderswan didn't seem super different than the Game Boy to me. Well, the idea behind Wonderswan was to kind of go toe-to-toe with the Game Boy and uh, kind of basically beat the Game Boy at its own game, which is to say use super inexpensive parts, be really, really cheap. It was like a $50 system when it launched. Yeah. Um, provide some really cool different game options, like you could play it landscape or portrait format. It was rotatable, which was more of a gimmick than anything but um yeah it was meant to be very versatile much higher powered than game boy um so for what it was designed to be it was really really good and you know they iterated on it and made color versions of it and those were a really great system before the game boy advance came along like the wonder swan color the wonder swan crystal was pretty awesome that was the first uh that's all the first final fantasy 4 remake right yep that's where it came from yep. every final fantasy 4 remake fantasy is based one, on two, that and four okay yeah. yeah there were romancing or uh, uh final fantasy legend remakes the makai tosha toshi saga uh there were there were a bunch of really great games on on that system most of which well none of which came to the u.s because the system never left japan mm-hmm. but yeah i think if um if yokoi hadn't been killed um i i really think he would have maintained an active presence Maybe not necessarily in the gaming space, but as an inventor and as, as a tinkerer, someone working in gadgets, maybe he would have gone into like mobile phones mm. or something. Mm. But the, the perspective he brought to hardware design was, I mean, it was embodied in the Game Boy and the Wonderswan Color, which was to use um, inexpensive, kind of off-the-shelf, well-known, well-documented parts that were easy to work with, inexpensive to manufacture, <clears throat> Uh, could provide a good kind of play experience, and um, you know that was that. That's really what the Nintendo DS and the right. Uh, I mean, the they Wii followed that around. Yeah, him yeah. There, like, so. even without him, they they still carry the his Wii philosophy. Fit balance board fits mm-hmm. like that somehow. That that Maybe. idea. Yeah, but I, I mean, he was really about value, like play value, getting the most enjoyment out of uh, the least investment, and that you know, that perspective is always, it's always viable. So I think, you know, as the economy has softened, uh, he probably would have become more and more active. Bigger and better than ever. I I could see him collaborating with um, even Western hardware manufacturers, maybe not Microsoft, but, uh, you know, companies over here to help figure out interesting ideas. Hmm. Or, you know, maybe he would have been repatriated with Nintendo. It's entirely possible that uh, once Yamauchi, uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi, the, the, former president of Nintendo left the company and Satoru Iwata took over that there probably wasn't bad blood between the two of them. No. So maybe Iwata mm. would have said, hey, why don't you come like, back and, and... Let's open up the windows, this. get the old man smell out and bring yeah. back Yokoi. Yeah, He's our yeah. man. I, I, I almost... Um, I'm surprised that none of Nintendo's competitors over in Japan kind of jumped on the chance to hire him. I mean, if I ran a company and I was trying to compete against they Nintendo, did. I would Bandai. Bandai did. Bandai like, wanted to compete with Nintendo yeah. in the but, portable game. Okay, space. but was he contracted or was this like a full time job for him? Like, do we know that? Because uh, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. But I mean, yeah. in addition to designing the Wonder Swan hardware, he also designed the game Gunpei. Like the game yeah. Gunpei is named after him. It's <laughs> yeah, a, it's yeah, a pretty right. fun little puzzle game. It's no Tetris, but mm-hmm. it's enjoyable. It's kind of all along the lines of Clax or Pipe Dream or something. So kind of a weird combination of those things. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I mean, Bandai had a history of making hardware before the Wonderswan. Mm -hmm. They had tried to compete in the console space with the Pladia and um, something else. They, they, oh, the Pippin Atmark, which they co-developed with Apple. Uh, so they had aspirations to be, you know, home game develop uh, manufacturers. What about uh, Sega or Sony at the time? I mean, was Sega just one flop too many at that point? This was 1996, 90, 95 when he left the company, right? Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, suppose. it was like probably 96 or so. Yeah, so... Imagine they I were mean, developing what, the Dreamcast. Yeah, what... what uh, I mean, had they had enough portable well, flops that it just wouldn't have made sense to kind of try and go after them? Had they yeah, lost I that mean, much I money? Think, I think Sega decided to... Uh, their their portable strategy at that point was to team up with, uh, with the Neo Geo Pocket. Mm -hmm. There was the link cable between Neo Geo Pocket and Dreamcast. And oh, I forgot about for, that. For developing Dreamcast itself, like that was a weird political process. Remember, there was the the Japanese uh, Power VR based uh, Dural, which mm -hmm. is what eventually became the the Dreamcast. But at the same time, Sega's US arm was developing the 3D FX based Black Belt system. And that was eventually passed over in favor of the Dural, which became the Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't imagine that even if they had reached out to Yokoi that he would have wanted to become mired in that kind of horrible international politicking within the company. I mean, that that tore the company apart sure. probably more than anything. People people blame stuff like the uh, the, the 32X and uh, some of the dumb decisions CD made around Saturn. and all that stuff. Sega yeah. CD wasn't that bad, but 32X yeah. and then some of the, the U.S. decisions with the Saturn, but... But, I mean, those things were the result of just the inability of Sega's Japanese and American arms to communicate properly and work together. And there was this, uh, like, constant competition for dominance. That's what killed the company. That will actually come up later, actually soon. Let's move on to the next question, though. Here's how I phrased it. What if people still played Dance Dance Revolution? What I really mean is, <laughs> what if Dance Dance Revolution was the guitar hero of its day? What if it came out, there was, like, this five-year period where everyone had a DDR mat, Everyone was buying all the DDR games. Why not? Why not take it a step further? Why not say, "What if Guitar Freaks was the Guitar Hero?" Oh, nice. That's what even if, better. What, what, if, what if people had latched on to Guitar Freaks instead of Guitar before Guitar Hero? First of all, out? we have to assume everyone in America likes really bad music, because then they would like DDR and Guitar Freaks. I said it. Music in those games are pretty yeah, bad. Yeah. Olivia Newton-John. Uh, Shut up, man! Butterfly, man! Oh God! <laughs> That's my prom song. <laughs> um, I gotta say, there are a few good DDR songs. What shipped on the first DDR game for America was absolute trash. It's like, get ready to dance to Olivia Newton-John. Well, really, right. pretty much. I'll do a that. A big <clears throat> part of what made Guitar Hero popular was that the music didn't suck. Mm. If, if Konami had had the sense to say, "Hey, what if we license some music that people want to play?" and made made that investment and had enough common sense to understand what Americans like to listen to, uh, I think they could have been a big success. I think Guitar Freaks could have been the hit the Guitar Hero was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I picked up a Guitar Freaks controller maybe in 2001 or whenever, and I was like, well, this is such a good idea. Why doesn't anyone do this with, you know, good music? But uh, was there any, does anyone know, is there any bad, bad blood between Konami and um, Harmonix or Konami and Red Octane? There was Octane? a lawsuit of some sort, but I don't remember exactly <clears throat> okay. what. So I do think there was even a press. Sorry, I, I recall a press release too. Where was it? Was Konami kind of like chest chest thumping, saying, "Yeah, well, you know, we invented that genre," and it was it was some kind of like something thing like that. that. I do remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. something uh, along those lines. It was like, "Yeah, we invented it, but you kind of didn't figure it out." So, do you think it would have had the same lifespan as uh, basically music games are uh, rhythm games that require plastic instruments are dead? Do you yep. think it would have had the same uh, lifespan if it launched in two thousand one, or you know, do you think? I honestly think that part of why DDR and uh, Guitar Freaks and all the Bimani games managed to survive was because they were somewhat niche. 
And I think, you know, that, that kind of caused uh, Konami to keep the cost down. So they licensed in crappy music instead of great music. And so they didn't have to maintain high sales in order to be profitable. I think Guitar Freak's success or Guitar Hero's success in some ways and Rock Band's success uh, kind of undermined them because it required this constant infusion of, of expensive licensed music, like good music that people really care about. Yeah. And master that, tracks at yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Over time. Like, started with and covers. That's, and then you know, switch. that's expensive. And to yeah. maintain the kind of, uh, ex- you know, to justify that kind of cost, I think they needed to, uh, to keep sales pretty high. And once they started to taper off, you're like, ah. But it makes you wonder how much money did they make on digital and, and download sales. I mean, they Rock Band has like a huge music store. So does uh, Guitar Hero. Uh, Harmonix has dedicated themselves to a crazy schedule. They put out like three or four songs a week. And they've been I, doing it since those ga- since the first game came out. I actually out. wonder, uh, you're probably leading to this point, but you know, would these games be successful without that marketplace in yeah, place? I was, Is I was that what you're getting that, to? Okay. Uh, I was thinking that in my head, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to that point. But yeah, I, I almost wonder if even they could have survived as well just because um, with, with, uh, with Rock Band, you know, the digital marketplace kind of blew up and there was right. a way to feed content out to these games without necessarily having consumers buy a new game every time i'm gonna say probably not because i bet if you look at the stats the people that actually download extra songs for rock band are in the minority but it just feels like it is every week you know what i mean yeah i would almost think if it was that small would you still commit to something how often do you check they may have already you know paid for it yeah Yeah. at this point they may be recouping their losses Uh they could have had like a grand plan like 20 years of guitar hero we bought eight thousand songs and like oh shit we have to work on these songs Uh, for the next 10 years replace the farms with light bulb factories yeah and God knows what they paid for the Beatles license. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Yeah. Let's move on to mm-hmm. what if scenario number four. What if full motion video games became the prevailing genre instead of a passing fad? Eric, let's start with you. What would you do with yourself? Um, things I probably can't say on the podcast <laughs> that would result in death. Wow. Eric uh, is, uh, yes, very <laughs> suicidal over that okay. idea. Yeah. Um, Jeremy? Full motion video games, I mean, the I wave of the future. Would you not, Would you be playing video games to yeah, this day? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have to play video games. Yeah, I'm just like, would you duck out and be like, ah, that's it for me, later. I mean, there have been times in my life when I've thought, eh, I should probably get out of gaming. Mm. If, you know, if that style of game had taken over around one of those times, which it, that's about when I was kind of contemplating that, when, when FMV games started to come along... Yeah, I'd be doing something more productive with my life. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a uh, window to Jeremy's self-esteem there. Uh, my mom, actually, uh, I think it works the other way around, too, where games, I mean, FMV games are really simple, but games eventually get too complicated for certain generations to handle. Like, my mom played the NES until the Super NES came out, and like, okay, too many buttons, see you later. Wait I can't play minute. this anymore. That was a lot of parents. Eleanor, yeah, it's like yeah. that blew my mind. Yeah. Jose. No, that was a lot of parents, I think. Um, anyway, no, I would have dropped out, too. Um, just recently, what was it, a couple months ago, I reviewed Asura's Wrath, which was a game ah, that felt like it was developed how perfect, in that how FMV perfect. generation. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm i sorry. Like, it, that kind of stuff is entertaining to watch, but it's not very entertaining to play. And it's not entertaining to replay. Like, Uh-oh. having to do anything over in those games is just really a, a chore because hardly anything changes. Yeah. So, I yeah, I probably would have dropped out as well. But, so. um, you know, thank God for that. We'd all be wealthy uh, business tycoons yeah. if uh, this actually happened. I can only assume. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Uh, what if Sonic Extreme actually came out for the Saturn? Let's think about that one. Sonic Extreme, uh, a U.S.-developed game. Uh, it was going to be the Saturn's big Sonic release, but many, many problems prevented it from coming out. And a lot of that was the the lack of cooperation between America and Japan branches of uh, Sega, Like correct? I said. Yeah. So do you guys think this would have saved the Saturn, or was Sonic not even relevant at that point enough to save the Saturn? Sonic Extreme. Um, I think they really needed to come out with a Sonic game in the same time frame as Mario 64 and Crash Bandicoot. By by 
putting their chips in with knights, even though that was a really cool game, uh, I think they, they missed an opportunity to say, hey, here is our intention for this generation. We are, you know, we're in, we're all in, we, we're going to be awesome, please play our games. They, they blew it. I don't think was, Sonic um, Extreme would have made that big a difference. Was Knights uh, created because Yuji Naka did not wholly come up with Sonic the Hedgehog himself? He wanted to make his own thing for oh, the Saturn? That's, that's what it feels like to me. Like, why wouldn't you launch with a Sonic game? He's like, I, I made Knights. I think Knights. Sega was in a very, I mean, it was a, it was a very creative, uh, creatively fertile company at that, right. at that period of time. And they were just coming up with new ideas. They didn't want to get mired in doing the same old games that they'd been doing, which is why you didn't get a 32-bit uh, Fantasy Star, you didn't get a 32-bit Sonic the Hedgehog, no Streets of Rage, like all those franchises that made made it big on on 16-bit systems and in the arcade, like they were ready to move beyond those things. I really mm -hmm. think that was that was the case with Sega. They wanted to do new stuff like Clockwork Knight, no, like yeah. Panzer Dragoon, <laughs> like Knight. Creativity is punished. Like, so uh, you know, like like Dragon Force, like um, yeah. you know that kind of thing. They were they were pushing into new new territories, but that's not necessarily what fans wanted. I think after being kind of jerked around so long by by Sega, Sega fans wanted a little bit of reassuring comfort, and maybe Sonic Extreme could have provided that, but I don't know if necessarily it was the game that the fans wanted. Hmm. So you mentioned them not having a Sonic game within a window, maybe like uh, Nintendo had done with Mario or PlayStation had done with uh, Crash Bandicoot. Nintendo took that same bet with the GameCube. Did that did that work <clears> against <throat> them in the same way, or by then because we already had a 3D Mario game, it kind of didn't matter? Uh, well, what do you mean? Well, you're kind of talking about how having this uh, mascot character is kind of like the face of that platform, and it's a big deal because it's a big franchise for them. When the GameCube oh, by, came out, by not having yeah, Mario. there was no Mario game. It was Luigi's Mansion, and check that out. Um, I mean, he's related, but yeah. it's not. It's a similar situation, and it's somehow... Well, I mean, you don't get Nintendo games at launch anymore with a system. No, no, you don't, yeah. DS had a, you know, a re-release, mm -hmm. and we didn't have anything. It had Zelda, but that was kind of a repurposing... 3DS didn't have anything. I bet Wii U's not going to have a Mario game at launch. Yeah. Um, I guess what so makes I think they the were, time I think they were just kind yeah. of moving away from, from the idea that Nintendo is the Mario system. Okay. So they got a little bit of the Mario with Luigi's Mansion, but they weren't as tied to Mario. But again, yeah, I think, I think that's one of those cases where the fans were like, but I want my Mario. I don't mm. want this Luigi's Mansion crap. It's not Mario. It sucks. Luigi is looking for Mario. He's on your side right. throughout the whole game. <laughs> and we find out Mario went to a tropical island. I don't want Mario the sequel sunshine. to Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I don't want the he sequel to your... Mario is missing. But mm -hmm. Yeah. What if Resident Evil 4 came out in its original form? This would not only affect the Resident Evil series, it would affect every game that ripped off Resident Evil 4, including Gears of War. Oh, I say ripped off them. in a in a I'm not trying to slander Gears of War, but I don't think Gears yeah, of War would have happened words, yeah. <laughs> if not for Resident Evil 4, or it would be very different. Yeah. Can we agree on that at least? Yep. No, no, no. I I, I totally <clears throat> agree with you. Uh, it's it's weird too, because Resident Evil 4, I mean, what, how many revisions did that game go through? I think it was about I, four. I thought it was just uh, well, one three? major one that we know of, one where there's actually footage of the game. Uh have you guys all seen this footage? It's, it's the, like it's the one with like the ghost and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. like the yeah. Gordon's fisherman with a hook 
or whatever was, coming that out. That was the Kamiya version of that game, right? Because Kamiya um, was working on a that. Resident I'm not Evil sure title. of, but yeah. I'll take your word for it. He's talked about it on Twitter a couple of times in response to people, but nothing ever like direct. But yes. Um, so how do we feel? Like I feel personally, it would have killed Resident Evil. I think it really needed something new. I, I know a lot of people were really resistant to Resident Evil Four, but it was really for the best, and it helped that series move on but apparently it's not moving on super far based on trailers i've seen so far so yeah no i agree with you i think that uh, at that point more than anything resident evil needed a really big change because it had kind of fallen into this very predictable sort of and, and not just that the gameplay needed to change i mean yeah. the isometrics perspective the 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 sort of controls needed to change i think the remake was the last game that they could make that could stick to that and i think they even managed to squeeze another one in there they put out resident evil zero and that still followed yeah, very closely yeah. to the, how remake was done um but uh oh man there was something that was in the back <laughs> outbreak of my head. uh are you thinking of outbreak? no outbreak? no i'm not uh, veronica no no i'm not i guess i was just getting to the point that uh a, a sort of a bad version of re4 because ultimately that's what it probably would have it looked like it could have been i don't know if it would have been bad i think uh, it would have just been looked weird very similar to all the games that had come oh, before this, this is what i was gonna say that this was a maybe another example <clears throat> of uh capcom just kind of like being smart because the same thing happened with resident evil 2 where it was like hey this thing wasn't coming along that's the way true, they wanted and uh they decided to cut it start over and um you know between mikami and uh and kamiya they they managed to pull together a really cool game and it feels like that happened again with four yeah uh you'd, and you'd pray to god that would happen with six but we don't know yet we're excited though they can uh <laughs> do the whole like devil may cry was going to be resident evil yeah uh, that's another thing he's yeah. talked yeah. about yeah that's right who knows maybe that was resident evil four but he you know they realize hey devil may cry is more about being cool than it is about being afraid so there's no right. way this is going to work jeremy you're awfully silent during this segment and resident evil but it did affect, you know, the design of games following it in, in that short sort of genre, third-person yeah. shooters. Um, and so that's Which good. you're not a big fan of, I understand that. But. No, I, I like, I like third-person shooters okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think eventually someone would have come up with the idea of putting the camera by your, your character's shoulder. And uh, I, I think that even if... RE4 hadn't done that. Someone would have done it eventually. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. it just seems like a natural concept, and it was so you know, bizarre when to you see have it first. Hundreds of developers banging their heads, thousands of people really yeah. banging their heads against a problem. Eventually, people are going to come up with the same solution. So if it hadn't been RE4, it would have been someone. Maybe things would have been a little slower to change, but you know, I still think we'd be playing basically the same style of games today as we do now. Hmm. Very interesting. Let's move on to our next question. Yasumi Matsuno, we love him, we know him. What if he did not mysteriously leave the during the production of Final Fantasy XII? Would the Ooh. game have been any different? Jeremy, this is for you, buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah by all <laughs> accounts, the the ending was kind of uh, put together by Akitoshi Kawazu, and so the game does sort of go off the rails and turn a little weird at the end. Um, I think a more interesting question is, what if Square hadn't interfered with the game's development mm. and just let Matsuno do his thing? Right. Because his design for the game... Um, I don't know how radically different the mechanics would have been, but the story design was very different. Uh, in his version of the game, Vaughn and Pinello, the kind of viewpoint characters, didn't really exist. Uh, and instead, the main character was Bosch, who is like, you know, 10 years older than the main characters. Right. And he's a grizzled war veteran, a prisoner, um, kind of angry and betrayed and out for revenge. Um, I think that could have made for a very interesting story, something more, you know, uh, narratively evocative of vagrant story a little darker a little more mature but I, apparently square was like 
but the kids don't <laughs> understand adults, so let's move him to a secondary role and put these kids in there so the kids can relate to him. Yeah, I give him like a weird-looking chest with yeah. an open vest and <laughs> shirtless. That's yeah. a weird texture on his on his abs. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on there. Yeah, so so you know, I think a lot of Matsuno's uh, disappearance had to do with the changes that were inflicted on Final Fantasy XII, uh, kind of mandated from above. So it's more interesting to me to think what might twelve have been. I think, I think the series would be in a much better state now hmm. if it had been if if the the company hadn't interfered and just allowed that to basically set the tone for the future of Final Fantasy, because it was a great looking game. It played well, great music, good writing. Uh, but you know, if if they said okay, maybe it's time for Final Fantasy to grow up and actually be a more mature game. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it would have a different perspective or per- perception within the gaming community. Because hmm. uh, twelve pushed a lot of ideas that people associate with Western RPGs, but um, you know it was doing it six or seven years ago. Yeah, you can see the direct. Uh, I don't know effect of twelve yeah, on like things if, like Xenoblade and yeah, and Story Z- Z- and Monolith stuff. came and yeah. just cherry picked the one they oh, liked. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, we'll make this easier. Yeah, yeah if if, uh, if thirteen had built on that, fourteen had built on that. Well, fourteen's online. But, yeah, you know, if thirteen had built on that and actually. Uh, come out in a timely fashion and then 15 had built on that as well like, and we wouldn't it, have it, it 13 too it could be the cutting edge rpg series that it was 10 years ago nice mm. i think jeremy wrapped that up pretty nicely uh Definitely. we have a, a couple questions left actually like maybe 10 so let's try to get through <laughs> <Maybe> these <10. laughs> uh, i'm setting you up uh let's try to get through these in maybe less than two minutes each and they're all they're all pretty quick questions so how about this one <clears throat> what if nintendo adopted the Captain N versions of its uh, characters in the late 80s. <laughs> oh so let's God. say Nintendo looks at the personalities created by horrible uh, children's cartoon writers and we're like, you know what? We like what you did with those characters. Sonic let's get Belmont? those versions in our games. Bane? Yeah. yeah. Oh my let's God. have Mother Brain sound like the uh, Little Shop of Horrors, oh Audrey 2, uh, etc. What would happen if that took place and would you even be a fan of Nintendo? Didn't I, the, would, uh, I would be more of a fan of Nintendo. <laughs> you are lying, sir. Eric, really? Didn't they, yeah, <laughs> well, it's not like a... Like a a cereal back then as well? They did, Nintendo yeah. cereal system. Yeah, didn't they have a... Was it a Captain N? Did they have... Uh, I believe that was not affiliated with Captain no. N. Okay, well, I, I don't remember what I ate back in my childhood, but I could have sworn it was something related to Captain N. Mm, maybe, it could have been. <laughs> it probably <laughs> had, like, Captain N giveaways. It yeah. Been, it would have been as deadly as uh, changing the designs for Mario and Luigi to match the ones from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, right. Instead, oh, it would have been rough. just as, defi- yeah, as terrible. Okay. So, no. We all weighed in on that. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next question. Oh, you forgot. What if, uh, what if the Zelda series were more like the Zelda cartoon. Excuse oh, no. me. Yes. Uh, Link about? would be constantly trying to get laid and it would be very uh, very awkward not? to watch. Uh, I assume that he's not in the games because he doesn't seem to be after that. That's true. The girls are always like, hello, and, uh, Link. Right now, Link like, is... Uh, huh? Yeah. He, Link is currently under litigation from uh, Steve Martin for ripping off his catchphrase and adding uh, Princess to the end of it. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. What if games still included free personal pan pizza coupons? If you remember, <laughs> in the 1980s, children were rewarded with pizza for everything they did. That's why we're so fat. You're, you were given pizza for reading books. No one in this room is overweight. What you were are you given, talking about? <laughs> you, were, you were given pizza for like playing baseball games. You were given pizza for like every conceivable like reward concept. Any Ninja Turtles product has yes. something to do with pizzas too. Uh, in Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game for the NES, you were given a free personal pan pizza coupon. What if games still gave you free food? How awesome would that be? That's basically uh, what I'm saying. No, it wouldn't be actual food. It would be DLC content to add oh, to the game. Oh, okay. Like your character can carry around a free personal pan pizza i want to i want to type like backslash pizza in yeah, but, any game have a pizza come to my door yeah, but commander shepherd could have a personal pan pizza hat 
Yeah, but with networking, the minute you get your achievement unlocked for your pizza, that can notify oh, Dominoes. Like, they can yeah. rush over. They with just the like drive thing. over and give you a pizza. Yeah. Like. That, that would be fucking cool. Pizza unlocked. Oh my god. Oh my yes. God. That ding dong. You hit a doorbell. Oh, that'd be perfect. Oh my god. Digital they should change technology. The, the achievement unlocked sound to just a ding dong. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. I'm glad we came, we came to consensus on that. We want <laughs> pizza. Amazing. Bring pizza back to games. No, I bring just want personal pan pizzas like to be back like as a normal as an thing. item. No, just like in most pizza places. Like, go, I just want personal pizza. Pan Did they have personal pans yeah. there? Oh my god. You're going to the wrong places, bub. I think I am. Just because Greg Miller <clears throat> always buys the ones that are like the size yeah. of a man. No, they, they sell little tiny ones. Oh, the size my. of a man. It's in the shape of a man. It's like, <laughs> it's I'm going to have the head. It's actually made of man. I, I, I would like the long pig pizza, please. Uh oh. That sounds amazing. Next question. What if people long cared? Long pig is human flesh. It is. What if people cared about Ridge Racer? What would happen? Ridge Racer. <laughs> that statement okay, would have some can, uh, can impact. When was the last time anyone was really big someone cared about uh, Ridge Racer? I feel like I haven't cared about it since the first PlayStation. I think the PS2 was the last time people were like, oh, uh, okay. As a launch game? Because yeah. it's always a launch game. It yeah. comes no, with everything. Um, Ryan O'Donnell really cared about the uh, the PSP one. Okay. He's not here. Let's make fun of him. Okay. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, actually people cared a lot about ridge racer when unbounded came out just because they were like this isn't the ridge racer i want but the the rub is that no one actually wants ridge racer so they were just being full of crap so why think, is it always a launch title how do you can't you can't have a why? successful launch because it doesn't require a lot of work that's true or Wait, did, did, does gamecube what? even have a, a ridge racer launch like that's the uh, one system i can't think launch but there was there was ridge racers i imagine there is some ancient uh namco stockholder who died and in his wills like you must make a ridge racer every year mm. it is my destiny or every hardware cycle it's, it's uh, basically the equivalent of brewster's millions yeah so namco will walk on hot coals just to make sure that the, they get a, a launch they don't want to be haunted a by in. a ghost is yeah. what i'm saying every, every time yeah. someone announces a new console launch namco is just like god damn it <laughs> we have to make another one of those yeah. get the ridge racer team how about this? What if Square teamed up with Hanna Barbera instead of Disney for Kingdom Hearts? That oh would have been amazing. Uh, <laughs> who would be? Uh, I would think it'd be Yogi Bear, and who would be the Donald Duck character along with the Sora? Flintstones. Oh, no, it would be uh, Snidely Whiplash's dog. Mm, oh, Muttley. Yeah, Muttley. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, maybe we could pitch Square Blacky on races. this. Although I guess that was a villain, so yeah. no. Maybe we could pitch Square on this because it's not like Kingdom Hearts Three is ever coming out. They need to do. Uh, what would be a good title for this Hanna-Barbera thing? <laughs> I don't know. I, Cheap I, and quick. The Hanna-Barbera way. <laughs> bedrock Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Hearts of Bedrock. Bonnie! And you can you can find the missing Fruity Pebbles. Wait, wasn't that Scooby-Doo owned by Hanna-Barbera as they, well? Yeah. Jetsons, I was, was going to say. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I wrote this as a joke, but I like this idea now. Yeah. Yeah, sounds so, like uh, it. so the, the Scooby-Doo level would be on Gilligan's Island. Uh-oh. With Don Knotts. Don Knotts. Oh my Don God! Knotts. You read my mind. You read my mind. Yeah. Don Knotts right. like was a guest star in about half the Scooby Doo content. I swear seen to God, he was, he was like the villain. Every and they were always time. surprised to see him. They're like Don Knotts. Yeah, yes, of course yeah. it's Don Knotts. I've seen this one. It'd before. be funny too if it was there was a Don Knotts and then they rip a mask off and it's actually someone else pretending oh, to be the Don Globetrotters. Knotts. They do that too. Oh, the Globetrotters. Yeah. They were yes. always on too. Diamond yeah, and Robin. Okay, so it'd be Don Knotts and the Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island with Scooby Doo. And then like, uh, was it uh, Fred, Velma, and Daphne get kidnapped? And so you're with Shaggy and Scooby as your team. Right. I sounds amazing. Game of the year. Spacely wow. Space Sprockets in this game. Man, uh, we need to quit our, our jobs and start making this game. I agree. Hey, we could kickstart it. Yeah. <laughs> Licensing behind. We only need, uh, our goal is $20 million, mm -hmm. and that will get us a trailer. Yeah, uh, this, could, this could be the Six Flags to uh, Kingdom Hearts Disney World. Yeah, I agree. Or the Knott's Berry Farm. Or the Hanna-Barbera <laughs> World. Hmm. Eric thinks the big picture. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's true. Way ahead. All right. 
Let's see. Uh, next one. Uh, what if Duke Nukem Forever came out in 2001 instead of coming out last year? What would have happened? Half-Life 2 It probably would have been about it. the same game. What would you say, Eric? Half-Life 2 still would have owned it. Oh, snap. I agree. Jeremy? That's bacon. Um, yeah, Jeremy. But the thing is, it would have come out three years before Half-Life 2, so who cares? Yeah. yeah. It would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. Would we have seen uh, successive Duke Nukem games after that, or people would have been like, oh, uh, yeah. I'm done with this I guy? Think so. I think it would have been a... I mean, I think we're going to see more Duke Nukem games now. Right. Unfortunately. You think so? You think I think gonna, so. You think yeah. they're going to do it again? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that game sold well Returns for what it was. Yeah. Oh, it didn't... It didn't. Po- it couldn't possibly have made a profit, but at least it put like the IP out there, and they were like, okay, now we can make some other games now that people remember what Duke Nukem is. Yeah. He's old. Let's move on to our next question. What if uh, Pac-Man's Toru Iwatani stayed in design as opposed to moving to management? I believe his his game after Pac-Man was um, Libble Rabble or Ribble Labble. Yeah, he never did Libble a sequel. Rabble. Right? Libble Rabble. Never did a sequel to a Pac-Man um, game. And I believe he did work on the Championship Edition and Championship Edition he DX, did. right? That's right. And, yeah, and those games right. are so good, They're especially amazing. the second one. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. it, like I can never play Pac-Man that much because I'm really bad at it, but. I love the bullet time Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second. Heart race. Yeah, it's DX, amazing. It's, it's funny because DX is so much better than the one before it, and the one before it was so much better than anything you've yeah. ever played. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure how much of that was his design entirely, but do you think we've seen those sort of ideas implemented uh, in the '80s, or like the same sort of creativity, or yeah. same sort of like spark? I doubt it. You think? Uh, it. Wait, you calling Iwatani a one-trick <laughs> pony right there? No, what what I'm that? saying is that a lot of uh, what we saw in Pac-Man uh, Championship Edition and DX is reactive to kind of the way video games are perceived now, the way classic games have been absorbed and built into culture. He had years of time to think yeah, about yeah, this yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. the, the, the ideas in that game, just like the thinking didn't exist anywhere in the world. For that yeah. Maybe like Bruce Sterling could have helped come up with, or like, I don't know, William Gibson's Pac-Man. But uh, and I, gotta yeah, say, I, just, uh, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Like a lot of that was really, it was building on things that have come since Pac-Man and it needed... It needed 20 years to mature. I, sure. I, I still think we would have seen interesting things, but uh, Libble Rabble is not very good because it's like <laughs> it's like kicks or how do you say that? kicks or quicks or yeah okay. But you're controlling two cursors with two different joysticks, so you're like operating all these different parts of your brain that don't really work well together. And um, maybe uh, maybe if he had stayed in design, uh, Midway what, what, what did Midway own the IP? Who owned the IP back then? Uh, I think it was someone Bally Midway published Pac-Man. The, yeah. Yeah, Ballet that's, Midway uh, published right. it in the U.S. Okay, maybe they would have uh, rounded up the t- the kids that worked on uh, Miss Pac-Man and gotten them in the room with Iwatani to do another game. Hmm. Get them all together. The yeah, the two modders. Guys, yeah, the, yeah, the two guys who modded it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with with the guy who kind of made the whole thing happen in the first place. <clears throat> or else he would have just had them killed. That too would be armed gunmen in the room. <laughs> Contract negotiations oh, hey, will go smooth. So Mystery of Iwatani would be like a hacked your game and made a lot of money off of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> So let's move on. We're down to our last three questions. Question number one: What that was if ten? Sorry, uh, I don't know. I just I was, I was just seven. estimating. Uh, <laughs> okay. What if the World of Warcraft failed? Excuse me. What if World of Warcraft failed? What if no one cared? Uh, would anyone be trying? To, would people still be trying to get that nugget, that MMO nugget, from the the hands of players or or a Blizzard? So what you you're saying is, what if they held a Warcraft and nobody came? Exactly. Would MMOs be a thing? I mean, or would something just rise to supplant a World of Warcraft? Yeah, I think there would have been something else. Okay. Maybe Final Fantasy XI would have done better. Nah, probably not. EverQuest 2. Whoa. Maybe. Did they launch the same year? What launched first? Uh, Wow. I mean, uh, sorry, EverQuest. Okay, that's what I thought. First. Yeah, same year though, right? I think so. so 2005? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think right. EverQuest was first. I don't, I don't remember. I so, think 
I think MMOs would have been slower to change because once World of Warcraft came out, people were like, oh, we have to do our, our MMOs like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think also they would have been quicker to change in the long term. And you wouldn't have seen things like uh, Star Wars The Old Republic that are just like, yeah, it's WoW, but with Star Wars, like people wouldn't feel compelled to imitate WoW so slavishly. Yeah. So yeah. there would be more in- in- innovation in the MMO space. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, a lot of key like World of Warcraft people were uh, big time EverQuest players, and it just would have it would have been interesting to see all these kind of judgment calls and decisions they made if it would have if it bombed and they were actually wrong, but. Turned out that the what the key to key, making MMO successful was making them a lot more simpler for people to understand them, and you know, kind of let everyone have fun. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good, guys. Uh, second to last question: What if uh, Hideo Kojima left Metal Gear Solid after Part Two? How would that have affected the rest of the series? Would would there be a rest of the series? What do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, I think, I think anything that would have come out since then would have been really terrible. Mm, when yeah. you say Metal Gear. <laughs> Part Metal two. Gear Solid 2. Oh, Metal, Metal Gear Solid Yeah, because, I mean, he's oh, made okay. threats uh, various times. I believe 2, he he's, was like, no more. And then the trailer for 3 was a reaction to that yeah. statement that he made. I think 3 would have been worse and 4 would have been better. He's mm. the Jay-Z of video games and that he always wants to retire, but they don't let him get away. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, or he's I, just too, like, anal retentive to see someone else mess that's up That's true, too. Although, he, I mean, wrong. he has sat back and played producer, right? For Zone of the Enders. Yeah, Is but I bet he's a, a super hands-on producer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would I would bet so, too. Um... Yeah, I, I guess, uh, wait, so you're saying they would have been terrible? Anything after 2 would have been like... I think 3 would have been worse and 4 yeah. would have been better. Because 3 was in someone else's hands for a while, wasn't yeah. it? He kind of came back to the director's and chair. I think, I think his role was to kind of like pull everything together. Because I could see how that game could have gone way off the rails if mm-hmm. it hadn't you mean outside of curing out. yourself through a menu screen and having yeah, to do all that yeah there were a lot of ideas bullshit. that just were like barely held together by spit and bailing yeah. wire I love Metal Gear Solid 4 yeah. like I, I feel I feel like the first half of Metal Gear Solid 4 is amazing and it's not very Kojima and then the second half of Metal Gear Solid 4 is just like Kojima saying, <laughs> so wait, it's my turn. Wait, and you it mean sucks. The, this, once it becomes Snatcher, set in the foggy, sleepy town, that's when Kojima that, took that over? That part's not even that bad, but the fourth chapter and beyond, it's just yeah. awful. Yeah. And, and all of that is just Kojima saying, well, now I'm going to you know, make this my <laughs> magnum opus. Jose, was, is, making the, um, Jose yeah. was making the revolver ocelot yeah. uh, finger gun motion. Mm-hmm. That scene. Well, the most oh, memorable scene. That and uh, my name's Big Mama. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. Okay, I last, still love that game. Are you guys ready for the last question? Are you ready for this last question? My body is ready. Eric's ready. Here's the last question. What if God was one of us? You're kidding. Answers? Amy, what? I really? believe he would be very easy to point Stop out in the crowd. Stop fucking around, man. No, I that's the last question. That's, really, that's the last let question. Me see that paper. It says right here, what if God was one of us? Oh, uh, my oh answer God. is he would be very easy to pick out in the crowd because he would be the one, uh, uh, I don't know, it'd be like an aura around him like Goku, and he'd be very easy to spot. And he would probably be apprehended by the government, and they'd force him to uh, run in a giant turbine to power nuclear weapons, and we'd take over the world. Well, so long as he can deliver free personal fan pizzas in an instant to my apartment, then that is, that. if you accept him as your savior, uh, he will. I would. Okay, I Eric. Would. Yeah, which which God are we talking hour? about? I don't um, know. I'm talking about the Christian God, Jeremy, the only God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what if God was one of us, Jeremy? I don't know. He probably wouldn't swear as much as we do. That's true. He would have like, what do you say, like fiddlesticks, or would he just make up his own elaborate? By cracky. By cracky. Or like, like a thunderstorm would go. Yeah. In the background, like, isn't that Zeus? He's mad. I don't know. It's freaking God. He can do anything he wants. He can. He has all the powers of Zeus and Thor combined. 
next on the religious hour. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I had to religious ask the question. Nuts. I had to <laughs> go out on that, and uh, okay. let's. And he, he would he would definitely be like the the friend you have that doesn't want to watch Kevin Smith movies. Oh, oh you mean he didn't like Dogma? Come on. That reminds me, I didn't make a drag I didn't make a Dogma joke during Dragon during the Dragon's Dogma conversation. Now I don't even have one. What was it? I wasn't there. I don't know. I just don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, but Are you yes. God, Bob? Uh, uh, that will be revealed in the final episode of Retronauts. <laughs> when he takes us up to heaven. <laughs> when I pull off my fleshy face and there's a god underneath it. Okay, let's move on to wrapping up the show. So if you'd like to us uh, to read your letter on the show or feature envelope art on our blog, please write into Retronauts Care of Bob Mackey, IGN.com, 625 Second Street, third floor. San Francisco, California, 94107. Do it today. And as far as contact info goes, I, uh, we are at Retronauts on Twitter. I'm at Bob Servo, B-O-B-S-E-R-V-O on Twitter. And if do you guys want to get about your Twitter accounts, Jeremy? Might decline? I don't know. Game Spite. Not Spy, not Spot. Game Spite. Gotcha. We spite games by cutting off their nose. Whoa. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Must be a lot of noses on your website. Shit. <laughs> Just a big basket of noses. Yeah. Eric. Uh, mine's just my name, Eric Sapp, as one word. S-A-P-P. S-A-P-P. Gotcha. Like Jose. Bob Sapp. He's Bob right. Sapp's younger brother. It's wow. my name, but with an underscore in between. So Jose underscore Otero, O-T-E-R-O. Awesome. Cool, guys. Thanks a lot. I want to remind you listeners to subscribe to our blog. It's oneupblogs.com slash retronauts or retronauts.com spelled R-E-T-R-O-K-N-O-T-S.com. I do a blog post for each episode where I list all the music we uh, play on the show. I put the links in the blog post for the things that we talk about. And we also have other great posts unrelated to these episodes. And hey, just read one up in general. And also, um, as always, please leave us reviews in the iTunes Music Store. It helps our ranking and more people can see us and listen to us and like us. And that's all we're here for. And um, that's it. Uh, any plugs? I I don't know. All of our stuff is good, right? I like that you actually promote your podcast. I, I do. I believe in I'm myself. I'm just like, yeah, I listen to us or whatever. You should listen. Uh, so, uh, what are you guys working on that's fun or interesting? Or let's what the appetites of our readers. E3's coming up, guys. Have to be retro. Let's do it. We're working on E3 content. Uh, Jeremy, anything in particular you want to mention? People can just get a bite of that juicy apple. I hope we live. Yay, we might live. Uh, Eric, anything you're working on? This is my first E3, so I'm, uh, I'm kind of scared. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's well, not that bad. E3's kind of like anemic these days, so it, like if it tries to punch you, it, you won't even feel it. All right, I'll definitely do a set. And it's Jose? like a, it's oh. like a. Sorry, that's okay. Jose. <laughs> uh, by the time this episode com- comes out, you will hopefully have read my Gravity Rush review. Sweet. Which is awesome. Oh, nice. Next episode will be our E3 episode, which will probably launch during E3 week on time. I'll try to get it up. And That's right. we will have some awesome guests, and they're all a mystery right now. So we will see you then.